0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 237 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode, you know by the title, is with your favorite guest, Jenny Smith. Jenny and I are here today to add an 11th entry into my Diabetes Pro Tip series. Please don't let the fact that this is the 11th episode in this series make you think basal rate testing, probably not that important. If it was, they would have moved it up sooner. Not even close. Having your basal insulin correct is the core of everything you're doing with insulin. You can't trust that your bolus was right or wrong. You can't understand why you got low or why you got high. When your basal insulin isn't correct, everything you see coming back to you from your blood sugar experiences, from your glucose monitors, from your meter testing, none of it is actionable. None of it is valuable if your basal isn't right. Every time I speak with someone privately, we start with basal insulin doesn't matter if you're pumping or injecting, and most people's basal insulin is significantly incorrect. If you're seeing blood sugars that you don't understand, it's easy to see a low blood sugar and think that means less basal. But that's not always the case. At the end of this episode, I believe you're going to have a firmer grasp of what basal insulin is, how to make adjustments to it, and why it's so important. You really need to listen to this one. This is where it all starts. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is made possible by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. Dexcom, of course, the makers of the G6 continuous glucose monitor, Omnipod makes the only tubeless insulin pump in the world, and Dancing for Diabetes is the organization bringing joy to children in Florida and touching people all over the world with their generosity. You can find out more at DancingForDiabetes.com, Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox, and myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. My friend Jennifer Smith is not just a CDE. She's a person who's been living with type 1 diabetes for a very long time. Jennifer holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. Not only that, but she's my guest in every episode of the Diabetes Pro Tip series. If this is your first one, you have to go back. Start at episode number 210. From there, it goes 211 and 212, then jumps to 217, 18, 19. Diabetes Pro Tips picks back up at episode 224 with mastering a CGM, 225, 226, 231, and of course, you are listening to episode 237. This is the 11th in this Diabetes Pro Tip series. And in my humble opinion, it just wouldn't be the same without Jenny. Last thing. Actually, last two things. First one's easy. You know what I'm going to say. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your health care plan or becoming bold with insulin. And the second thing is that Jenny does this for a living. You can check her out at integrateddiabetes.com or her email address is right in the show notes of your podcast player. A funny thing happened the other day. I felt like we did such a great job of outlining everything that everyone would need to know. And I was so comfortable with it that I started supporting the podcast episodes with like social media posts. Like, hey, don't forget how important your basal insulin is. And the um, the amount of notes that I got that were like, hey, you didn't do an episode specifically about setting up your basal rates. And I was like, I didn't. I felt like we covered it all with what we talked about. But okay, if you want to like... So let's add one that's about setting up your basal testing and getting it right. Um, and I was like, all right, well, we'll definitely do that. If the people are asking for it, Jenny, then we have to deliver. That's, that's right. That's what I'm thinking.
1: That's <laughs> what we're thinking. Fabulous. So Happiness.
0: so, um, so I, wanted, I would like to do that. Now, here's how I imagine this. And I'm recording already, so this will probably all end up in okay. the episode. I'm assuming okay. there's a super like specific way... Because I remember being taught it like, you know, in the doctor's office, like very specific, don't eat food for this much time, like make sure you have like this whole thing. And this is what your basal rate is going to be. Now, there are times when I think that's antiquated in as much as if you have a CGM, you may be able to figure out your basal more quickly. But I'll cover that when we get to my less technical way of doing it. Uh, But I really do want to start with what is the Accepted medical process for figuring out what your basal insulin should be. Check out Dancing for Diabetes at dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing the number four diabetes.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Fantastic organization. You should check them out at the very least. Get involved if you like what you see. What is the accepted medical process for figuring out what your basal insulin should be? Go crazy, Jenny, because I feel like you're going to get to talk Go a lot crazy. right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, the accepted medical way to do it can also vary. You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of different, but I've also he- heard enough similarities. I mean, I guess our medical way to do it within integrated when we start working with somebody brand new, that's a first and foremost question. Have you verified that your basals are working well? And basal evaluation can also be done using injected basal insulin as well. Not in the same way or as extensively as a pumped basal rate, Mm -hmm. right? But you can evaluate to see whether or not your basal injected insulin is working pretty solidly too. Okay. So both of them can be looked at. Um, As far as pumping, We always start with an overnight evaluation. And the reason for doing overnight testing first is one, majority of people, unless you're a shift worker or an overnight truck driver or or something, most people are sleeping in that overnight time period. So there's no eating, no exercising. There's no food going in anyway. It's like one of the easiest times of day to actually get a basal test in. Okay. I agree. The biggest thing heading into any basal test is that there isn't any food that's going to be impacting in that basal time period. And there's no lingering impact of your bolus. So for an overnight test, we aim to say, have your dinner in bolus by 6 p.m. Because by 10 p.m., when most people are going to bed, um, give or take, depending on if you're a little kid or an adult or whatever, Mm. by 10 p.m., that bolus itself and 99% of that food impact should be gone by 10 p.m. In, out, kind of the bell curve of effect, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So from 10 p.m. overnight and into your normal waking time, then we get a true look at what is basil doing to hold things steady. Now, the other variables, since we had an episode about variables too, right? I did. That comes into play with testing. You know, if you are... um, In those couple of days before your period is starting, if you have a nasty cold, if you have a lot of exercise because of training or practice or something, you don't want a basal test on an overnight when any of those pieces are (laughs) happening, right? You
0: know know what I wonder too is I'm starting to believe that there's a different basal rate that my daughter needs depending on her site. So I think there's a leg basal rate for her and I think there's a belly basal rate for her.
1: That's actually funny. I use when I use my upper butt for my Omnipods mm-hmm. um, prior to looping with a Medtronic pump. Okay, um, I noticed that on my butt, I need about ten percent more basal insulin, and so I set up a basal profile that I call butt.
0: <laughs> can I say that on your butt, you can definitely right? say butt, yeah. I,
1: I called it but, and I had it 10% higher than my standard tested basal rate, right? Mm -hmm. That ran on my other normal sites, which seemed to work the same. So you're not crazy in thinking that it could be the case. And it's something I bring up with people too, um, especially those who use Omnipod, which can you can wear it in a lot of different Different places places. compared to conventional tubed pumps, right? Um, So overnight, the goal of basal testing then is to have – Fair stability, and not like this entirely flat line, but the goal is to not have more variance than about 20 to 30 points up or down from where your finger stick value at 10 p.m. is. And the goal at 10 p.m., once that bowl is from dinner and the dinner food is pretty much gone, 10 p.m., your blood sugar, you're aiming for it to be somewhere between 80 and 250, I know that looks like a broad range, right? Right. And you're thinking, well, gosh, if it was like 150, I'd totally correct that at bedtime because I don't want to sit at night all night at bedtime, you know, 150. You let it lie. You don't touch it. You don't take corrective. You just let it sit. So if you go to bed at 188, you leave it alone because the basil's job is to not correct that. The basil's job is to hold you pretty steady. If you're not going to have more than a 20 to 30 point variance up or down from that, that means all night long, you shouldn't really go more than like a little bit above 200 or maybe down to like the 150s if you started at like 188. And if you accomplish
0: that, then you imagine that the basil's pretty steady. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. If you accomplish that with little variance, but not a lot, and you wake up, let's say, at 169, mm-hmm. awesome. Your basal, we would hold it checkmarked off in our box of records as stable, tested, it's good, let's move on to the next testing period. Now, let's say your basal does show that it's not right. Let's say that 10 p.m., 188 blood sugar, but by 1 a.m., you're starting to see a drift up. That's significant. And by two or three o'clock, you're like 50 or 60 points higher than you went to bed at. Absolutely. There's something wrong. Now, where do you adjust? That's the next big question. People are like, well, I was high at two o'clock, so I changed my basal at two o'clock so that it wouldn't be high anymore. It's actually, it's kind of missing the boat, right? Right because where you really want to adjust the basal is about one to two hours prior to the drift to being too high or too low starts okay so if you're too high by 2 a.m you probably need a basal adjustment at least by 1 a.m or maybe midnight that's higher so that you don't have the drift up in the next two hours yeah
0: and that's and for people listening that get confused by that um If you think about pre-bolusing, you put insulin and it doesn't begin working for a certain amount of time, either does basal insulin, and you're using much less of it. So to get a real impact from it could take some time for it to uh, build up its efficacy, I guess, right? And then be able to hold you stable. Okay.
1: Correct. Yep. So that circulating insulin level, it's a great description. It needs some time to bump up or bump down to the rate that's going to be then effective an hour to two hours from now at that rate.
0: It's the same reason Same reason why when we tell somebody if your blood sugar is super stable at 70 and it's been like that for hours and you haven't had food or you know insulin and you want to try to bring it up by doing a temp down, you can. But if your blood sugar is falling at 70, shutting off your basal is not going to do anything to affect what's happening right now.
1: Now, right. correct. You'll make your yep. blood
0: sugar high two hours later right after your seizure.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Or after you had, you know, 30 grams of a juice box or whatever. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, So it's same same thing. You know, if you're drifting down, you adjust the basil down a little bit Mm -hmm. still in the same time frame, one to two hours prior to that drift starting so that you don't get too low later. Um, Now, by how much? I mean, again, this is where it does vary a bit, but usually, you know, if the drift up is somewhere between like the like 30 to maybe 60 points higher or lower than you want to be within that time period, an adjustment by 0.05 to the basal rate mm-hmm. could be enough to make a change so that you're not drifting up or down. Yeah. If it's more significant drift and you're really rising like a hundred points you started at one eighty eight and by two am you're at two eighty that's that's a pretty big change.. Yeah. And again, we would probably adjust the basal at least by point one, maybe even point one five depending.
0: you know what's interesting is that I know this isn't like any kind of hard and fast rule, or it is, and I've found it by mistake, but I talk to a lot of people with kids, you know younger children and it seems to me that a rule of thumb is 0.1 per 10 pounds of body weight with kids i don't know oh. if i don't know if that ends up working as a, for adults or not but the more people i talk to the more i see like that's what makes sense and i don't know if it's an anomaly for me but when you have somebody on a phone call with you which you know t- telling you something about themselves and it's like, you know, I'm doing this and it's not working and blah, blah, blah. And you need somewhere to start. Like, you know, it doesn't, you know what I mean? You need somewhere to start. And I always ask like, well, how much do they weigh? And most of the time it bears out. But then recently I spoke to somebody, it wasn't even close. It didn't matter. The, the weight was unimportant. That that child just did yeah. not use the insulin the same way. Right. think of basil in a completely odd way i think of it like volume right like on a on a stereo and i just think if you can't hear it or if the basil's not working turn it up and if it's too loud turn it down and because arden's using you know a dexcom g6 i i just turn it up until she gets where i want her to be and then i dial it back a little bit um is that a bad thing am i doing that wrong (laughs) Is that is that is that irresponsible? Which, by the way, in the last ten years, has become a word again. I don't know if you know that. Irresponsible. There was time grammar people would be like, "That's not a word. You can't say that." And all of a sudden, it's become acceptable in like the last half a decade or so. So now I feel comfortable to speak improperly again. So irresponsible. Is it irresponsible?
1: Irresponsible. Well, I actually use that word with my six and a half year old all the time. So I guess I've been (laughs) using it more appropriately. Now, so thought, in, yeah. and I thought, yes, <laughs> I like, that is irresponsible to do that. Do not do that. You know, so yeah.
0: anyway, I, anyway, I, I, I don't that, think,
1: I don't think that that's irresponsible. Okay. I mean, you're doing again, and again, in, in the topic of basal specific adjustment, if you're talking about temporary basal adjustment, you, we do that a lot to dial it up, to dial it back to kind of, you know, and that's also the concept of looping, right? Right is that the, the the system works according to what it sees happening to the blood sugar and the insulin that's active and the food that's active. And it may dial things up and it may dial things back. So that's, I mean, definitely not irresponsible. When we're talking about setting true basal though, we really want to make sure that we set the the basal rate itself in the profile the right way. And you can dial it up you know, if you want to be truly bold with insulin, you may want to dial it up a little bit more than you think you may need. Mm-hmm. Do another basal test. And then if it doesn't work quite well because now you're ending up lower than you wanted, great. Just dial it back a little bit in the adjustment that you made. Um, but at least it'll be a better picture, Um you know, overall, and you can always test over and over again. Right. Um, most people hate basal testing, myself included.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, well, listen, that's—I remember getting the sheet of paper handed to me when Arden was two, and they're like, "The first thing we're going to want to do is basal test." And I looked at the sheet, and I'm like, "Well, I'm not doing any of this, but okay." And you know, looking back, I really should have done it. You, you know, especially back then when there was no CGM and you know none of that right. stuff, and I really should have done it, but you know, no food being digested, uh, you know, no active insulin. Like, how am I going to get like a little kid not to eat for five or six hours? And right. I did eventually figure out that overnight was the place to begin. To and you can, to some degree, infer the daytime from the nighttime. Mean, oh, yeah. Meaning, you know, if it takes a unit an hour overnight, you're probably not five units an hour during the day. You're probably somewhere near that unit, right?
1: Right. And,
0: right. and it could be I mean, it could be significant. I right now Arden is more like a unit overnight and more like two units during the day. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. so it you know, but that also will go back and forth. That just yeah. changes. I I will say this because you you alluded to it earlier, and you were just talking about the idea of basal testing. Like I know a lot of you don't want your blood sugar to be 180 or 200 overnight, but for this test, maybe that, that that's what has to be. I'm I'm really coming to realize that an incredibly flat line, one that's 85 for 24 hours a day, is really not reasonable. It's doable, right? And sometimes you'll get it. And maybe you'll get it for days in a row if you're really dialed in. But you can't be upset if a blood sugar goes to 160 for 45 minutes and comes back again. Right? It just, um, my blood sugar goes to 160. Like if I sit down and ate a plate of pancakes today, my blood sugar is going to be 160, probably for a couple of hours. Now, different situation, right? And I don't have the other impacts of type 1 diabetes like people with type 1 do. And I get wanting to limit it. But everything we've talked about on this podcast for the last number of years, I've seen it intersect with Arden becoming an adult. And so do I think you can keep a 90 blood sugar forever if your kid hasn't hit puberty yet? I bet you can, right? I think it's super easy. I think that when you get to puberty... I don't think you should beat yourself up if that doesn't happen. And and I can still right. do it most times. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like, it's it doesn't seem as important to me. It almost seems like a video game now. When I step back and I watch people online do it, for instance, and they're like, look at this graph. And I'm like, that's amazing. And then there's part of me that wants to say, show it to me. 10 days in a row, and then I'll get excited, right? Like, don't just right. show me one in the middle of May and go, hey, look what I did here. And that's why, right. you know, on on my blog, I try to put things up that are like, look, look how wrong everything went today. Arden's A1C still under six, y- you know? Um, I don't know. I just, I I want you guys to realize that we don't want spikes. When we get them, we want to bring them back down again. But if they happen, you cannot run around like you've lost some, you know, Right. Game that, right. That, that's attached to your mortality somehow. You know, if your blood right. sugar is always 200, yes. But, you know, if it jumps once right. or twice, come on, like ease up a little bit. Okay. Right. So, how reasonable is it that once I basal test, I'm actually going to know what my basal rates are? Normally, I tell you about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, about the share feature. You know, you can see your kids' blood sugar when they're not home or. Or, you know, if you're an adult and you'd like your parents still or a friend to be able to see it. You know, share and follow is amazing. It's available for Android and Apple and blah, blah, blah. And you should do that. Wouldn't you be great if you could see the direction of your blood sugar and the trend lines and how fast your blood sugar is moving up and down? All that stuff that you hear me talk about all the time. 100% true. But with the time that's left in this Dexcom ad, I'm going to say this to you. You are listening to the Basal Adjustment episode. By now, if you're still listening, you must believe... How important it is to have your basal insulin correct. And while you can do it without a Dexcom, it is so much easier with one. I mean, oh my God, it's so much easier. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash to find out more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Let me sweeten the deal by telling you this story. It's summertime now, Arden's home from school. Last night she was up FaceTiming with friends from all over the country and they were up way too late. So Arden needed to sleep in today. She slept till one thirty in the afternoon. And I was able to keep her blood sugar from going low or high while she slept all of that time away. All that. Think about that. 6 a.m., 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1. No food. No intervention. Just the information from the Dexcom to help me make decisions about her basal insulin. And those decisions kept her blood sugar between 70 And, you know, 120 is where we get a high alarm. But honestly, I never saw it go over about 95. Dexcom.com forward slash juice The links in your show notes are at juiceboxpodcast.com. Get started today. But before you do, let's talk about Omnipod, the only tubeless insulin pump in the world. The insulin pump that my daughter Arden has been wearing since she was four years old. It's 11 years ago. And it has been nothing but the best friend we've ever had in diabetes. Last day of school, Arden went to a friend's house to go swimming, had her Omnipod on. Last night, needed to make an adjustment to her blood sugar, picked up her PDM, button, 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 just like that. No tubing. She's laying in bed FaceTiming. She's not wrapped in tubing. She doesn't have to balance her controller on her head or stick it in her pants. That doesn't exist. Omnipod was over on the dresser, right there, just just there. Just reach over and grab it push a couple of buttons, give yourself some insulin, take some insulin away, maybe a temp basal decrease. I don't know what you're doing, but trust me, whatever you're doing, you want it to be easy and you want it to be good and you want it to be wholesome and fulfilling and make your life better. And that's exactly what Omnipod does. The best part is Omnipod wants to send you a free, no obligation demo. They call it a PEC, a pod experience kit. They'll send it right to you, right to your house so that you can try on an Omnipod for yourself before you make any decisions. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Show the links in your show notes or juiceboxpodcast.com. No more ads. Talking about basal insulin the rest of the way. Are there times I basal test and then I don't have any better of an answer? Uh...
1: There might be, especially um, if, like I said before, if you're doing some basal testing and there are variables at play that you didn't really think to pay attention to within that time period, then absolutely, though that basal test could be not very purposeful. It could be kind of null and void. And this is a, something I encounter a lot with women, and something I bring up when I work with them to begin with in in, in a first visit is one, you said you've done basal testing, but two do you know your cycle impact if you have one Mm -hmm. and two, did you basal test in that sweet spot of like two to maybe three weeks, whether women are on birth control or not, there's sort of like this two to three weeks of sweet kind of place of management without significant hormone impact. And that's where basal testing needs to happen it needs to happen without the impact of the pre-cycle or ovulation hormones kind of coming into play. So if you haven't basal tested in those sweet spots, you could be completely wrong what's happening and what your basal needs are. Um, once you do have that sweet spot put into play, then the other, and this is an important piece that a lot of people ask about too, is Great, so then I need to test in these other times. Well, not really. You know, what we find is that women mostly need like a 25 to maybe 40% increase in a hormone-specific time period mm-hmm. of the month. If you know that, what you can do is use a temp basil, see how well does this work, and what you can do, because the time periods during the day that your basal goes up or down, physiologically, those times will remain pretty stable those shouldn't need to change. It may be that you just need 25% more between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m., right? Okay, okay. So you can plug that into a basal profile, set it, and turn it on or enable it when you need to. Um, But those time periods of the day They stay pretty stable once you've designated, oh, my basal needs go up at 2 a.m. Up, They shift down again at 8 a.m. They're pretty stable until 4 or 5 p.m. They might go up or down again. Um, Another piece for basal testing is that most most people, again, your diabetes may vary, but most people (laughs) have about, or will, (laughs) most people have one valley and one peak to their basal during the day. Okay. So let's say they start midnight at 0.6. It might go up to 0.8 by 2 or 3 a.m. Maybe it goes down around 8 a.m., 9 a.m. to like 0.6 again. And then through the day, it stays kind of lower and then it may shift back up into the evening time. Okay. So you kind of had one dip and one rise mm-hmm. through the course of a 24 hour time period. Again, that's most people, not everyone. Um, Most people also have about three to five basal rates through the course of the day or basal time periods. So, you know, midnight until 6 a.m., 6 a.m. until 4 p.m., 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., 9 p.m. to midnight, those time blocks. Most people have about three to five different segments of rate need through the course of a day.
0: Yeah, and you have to stay flexible too. You can't just say to yourself, look, I've set this basal rate, it starts at 3 p.m., and it ends at 7 p.m., and it always works. And then Thursday comes, and at five o'clock, your blood sugar starts to drift up, and it won't stop drifting up. You can't lock yourself into that. Doesn't make sense because my basil always works. It's not working now, and the right. reasons, you know, and we talk about this throughout the you know the years of the podcast. But the reasons are almost unimportant in the moment. The truth is, your blood Fix sugar. It. Yeah, yeah, right. You need more insulin. Use more insulin. And and I I've, I've come to start. I've I've begun to start saying privately that the the diabetes, your blood sugar, it's requiring more of you. So give it to it. You know, mm-hmm. it's telling you something. Your blood sugar going up is 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 your body saying, hey, I don't have enough insulin. Don't like wonder right. why. Just believe it. You, you, you know what right. I mean? Like there's no reason to I don't know if you came up to an intersection and there was a cop standing there with his hand up and says, don't go around the corner. There's a guy with a gun there. Just believe the cop and don't go around the right. corner. There's no reason for right. you to peek your head around the building. And go, and Oh my God, there is a guy shooting there. Like just take his word for it and walk around the block. And so and move away. Right. So when your diabetes is telling you, Hey, I don't have enough insulin, just believe it and give right. it more insulin. Right. I got this beautiful note this morning from someone who said they were listening to the last episode. And she said, I think she called it like a bat in the head moment where she was just like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Why am I not using more insulin? <laughs> like, like, you know, running around all day looking at her blood sugar going, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, we must have said something on the podcast. And she just was like, oh, but sometimes that, that happens. Because like, you get so narrow focused on the things right. that are supposed to be happening that you can't break away from them for a second and look at actually what's going on. You know, listen, people, this is good life advice, too. If you're fighting with a spouse or a girlfriend (laughs) right, and you're saying to yourself, I have the best intentions here. Why is she upset? It doesn't matter. She is, you know, so you're doing something wrong. Forget figuring out what it is. You're wrong. Stop. You're wrong. That's that's it. I've given you a number of ways to think about this now. When your blood sugar is going up, give yourself more insulin. As a matter of fact, Jenny, my next T-shirt is going to say more insulin insulin. That's the next t-shirt I'm going to print. If I can ever figure out how to print. Absolutely. (laughs) Jenny deserves a t-shirt. All right. Um, everybody's always like telling me it's like so easy to print t-shirts. How can you not figure it out? It's like, I'm very busy. Leave me alone. Uh, but I'm trying anyway.
1: Yeah. But I think that's also a really good point, Scott, because, um, if this is where you could also say, is it a trend now? like you said, 5 p.m., my blood sugar is going up. I don't know why. I don't have any active food. I don't have any active insulin. It shouldn't be going up. I felt like things were pretty good up until today. Great. Well, you know what? Tomorrow, if it's happening again, the next day, if it's happening again, something shifted. Why? Again, don't play with the why. I mean, you can go back and evaluate and look at some things and whatever, but in the moment you say, you know what? It looks like my blood sugar is starting to go up by 4.35 o'clock every day and I'm high by 6 o'clock and I keep adjusting and correcting. Don't do that. Right. Adjust it. Make an adjustment and go forward. And then you know what? If it shifts back down, great. If a couple of days you're ending up low, then you shift it back down
0: again. Yeah. See, you're, you're highlighting something that I've never understood when people say to me, how many days till I think it's a trend and I should change? And I'm always like, who? like what? Like, like by the time you, by the time you suss it out three days later, it might go back again. Now you've given away three days of your blood sugar at that level. Yeah, Just learn. Don't ask your wife, are you really going to wear those pants? Like she doesn't like it when you say that to her, right? Like, so, so stop and and don't, don't do it again. Like my blood sugar went up at five o'clock. I did something about it. Tomorrow it went up at five o'clock. I did something about it the next day, I'm not even letting us get to five o'clock, right? Right. I'm just going to decide, I'm going to expect that what I know is going to happen is going to happen. And I'm going to deal with it ahead of time. And if it happens to not go that way, well, then I can dial it back again.
1: Right. Not a big deal. But it's so much easier
0: to ramp up your insulin and bring it back than it is to
1: sooner than later. And that's where many times doctors will say, hey, you know, follow a trend over the course of a week. Well, that's, five to seven days then that you have chunked out higher or potentially lower than you want blood sugars because you're trying to find a trend. I mean, in pregnancy with the women that I work with, we say two days of a trend, we're making an adjustment. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If we need to dial it back again, for whatever reason we will, but we're not leaving things travel higher or lower for more than that time period, we will adjust and then we'll adjust again.
0: And for all of you who have ever said to me, yeah, I'm going to handle that the next time I go to my doctor three months from now, you make my brain hurt when you say things <laughs> like that. Okay, just please do not wait three months to address something. Even I just yesterday um, had a, a, a person who won a giveaway that I did with Dancing for Diabetes and they, you know, we had a phone call together. Nice. And, and this person, decided, it was great, um, a, a person in their 60s who decided to get a CGM and a pump and, you know, very excited for themselves. And then she said, you know, I have a doctor's appointment in July. And I said, no, 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 don't wait till July. I said, write an email right now. Hey, doc, guess what? I'm getting a Dexcom G6 and I'm getting an Omnipod. Go ahead and send those prescriptions in for me. I want to do that right now. And when we get, I'm excited to come to you in July and I'm going to bring my new stuff with me and you can show me how to do all of it. And I said, and if you never make it there to show her, maybe you figure it out on YouTube or somewhere, whatever. And, you know, and, and, you know, but, or maybe they'll send a trainer to your house. I think that is the appropriate thing to say. Right. And, and, but, but I was like, don't wait till July. I said, because July is six weeks from now, six weeks from now, you're going to tell the doctor what you want. They're going to wait a week because people don't do things right away for you. They're going to send in their prescriptions for you. Then you're not going to get this pump for six months. If you do that, I'm like, start today, go right now, be proactive
1: Yes. With technology, the way that it is in electronic medical records and things like my chart, and things that you can mm-hmm. send back and forth, there is no one to not communicate between with a doctor. And you know what? If you don't get a response from them within 24 hours, you call the office and you ask to talk to their nurse. And you say, this needs to get to the doctor. It needs to be signed. It needs to be taken care of.
0: Arden's endocrinologist and I have been adjusting her Synthroid um, Arden is taking synthroid and cytamel now, and we've okay. been making we've been making adjustments by email. But mm-hmm. but what's taking, and it's still taking a long time to get it straight. Imagine if I only made the adjustment every three months when I saw her. Arden would be like a puddle on the ground. When Arden doesn't have enough synthroid, she can't pick her head up off of the ground. She yeah. just slumps over, and she's like, "bleh." her her blood pressure yes. Her blood pressure gets incredibly low. And she looks like she's dying the whole time. And, and so once she has more Synthroid, she sits right back up again. It's, it's literally like grabbing a marionette by its strings when, when she has enough Synthroid. But if I had to only make adjustments to her medication quarterly, it might take us two years to get it right. And we might never because she's growing and gaining weight throughout that time.
1: And think of her education in this time period, too. What would she be getting out of her classes and the ability to perform and any athletics that she likes to do and the enjoyment of fun with friends and everything? I mean, that puts a major cramp in any age, whether you're a child or an adult trying to perform in work or whatever. Yes. I mean, any adjustment, it needs to be addressed in the here and now, not waiting three months to say, oh, well, doctor, you can see my such and such high well, i've been having a lot higher blood sugars i didn't know what to do but i knew i had an appointment so i waited until i came in don't do that
0: yeah yeah wait, oh, right. jenny you know? if you were standing do out that. front of your house and you had your garden hose in your hand and your porch caught on fire would you stand there with the hose saying oh the fire company will be here soon i don't need to squirt right. the hose oh. at this porch why would i do that the fireman's coming right. he's a professional I'll let him handle right. it. Just hold the hose and up. And
1: I get started <laughs> with my hose. Yeah. Right. yeah. Exactly.
0: Why don't I just see what I can get accomplished here? All right. So right. bringing this all back to your basal insulin, because no yeah. one thinks about their basal insulin with nearly the importance that it is. I spent the first 10 minutes of a conversation the other day explaining to a person what it was. And after I explained yeah. it, I had to explain it again. And, and yeah. so... And you can still hear people go, so that's the levomir? Like people on MDI, they're like, so, and I get it. Like they're newly diagnosed maybe sometimes or they never got a, a firm explanation. But we treat Shut basal up. insulin like it's not important. And it's everything. Right. It's, it's right. so much more important. Like, it, 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 like, you know, we say it all the time. Everything starts at basal. If basal's not right, nothing else works coming off of it.
1: Right. Well, and so many people think that basal's job is to bring blood sugar down right? So many people, I mean, people I've worked with who've had diabetes long-term who've come in and, you know, I look at their records to begin with and they're confused and annoyed that their basal insulin isn't letting them wake up at a target blood sugar. I just stay high all night long. Well, you're starting the night high. (laughs) So something, I mean, time chunks of the day, usually where you are now, it's because the hours ahead of that, Something isn't right. Yeah, It's not the here and now. It's the what happened before this that got you here. So let's look. You know, I wanted my basil shit. It's here and here and here and it should be bringing me down. No, that's not basil's job. Right. Basil's job is to hold you steady. If you didn't eat all day long, you shouldn't have much variance.
0: Diabetes is like a time travel movie. I've come to think of it this way, right? Like it, whatever's happening to you in the moment when the camera's pointed at you has nothing to do with what's in the frame with you. It's not a, it's not a murder mystery. It's not somebody stabbing you and going, Oh, this is what's happening right now. It's the guy in act 1 set something down on a table and in act 3 25 years later that thing is how come you blah 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 there are things in the past there's decisions you're making right now with your diabetes that are going to affect you in 3 hours or 6 yeah. hours and and it's not now so much like it it's interesting too how people um overreact to the idea of pre-bolusing originally, because when their blood sugars are out of whack, when they're really first starting to get things together and they're jumping up and down, they're so reactive to everything they see. I did something and then this happened. And I always tell people, if you pre-bolus and two minutes later, your blood sugar starts dropping, that has nothing to do with the pre-bolus, nothing. That's why when, you know, when you guys hear me say Arden's blood sugar was 85 and I pre-bolused her because she was stably 85 for three hours the pre-bolus isn't going to start working right away i only needed her to get to lunch 10 minutes later
1: right. the only reason it would start working right away is if you physically had that cannula in a vessel yeah, right,
0: right and it was
1: literally going right into the vein
0: pumping it then, into her bloodstream right right <laughs> so in normal situations which jenny's bringing up probably because she knows we actually had a pump uh Probably nick a vein in Arden, one, yes. and for two days I could we couldn't get our blood sugar to go above like fifty most of the time until we yeah. finally just changed her site and everything went back to normal. But that was anyway that had never happened before. That was crazy. For the I'm texting Jenny like I, you should have seen the text to Jenny. I sounded like you guys sound when you email me. I was like I don't know what's happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I fed her so much food. and She's at and, fifty, and, and it I just
0: wasn't with her. I was in Florida doing dancing for diabetes. My wife's at home going seriously, this is what's happening when you leave? And I was like, I don't know how to explain any of this. I said, I've looped in, uh, Jenny, we're going to figure it out, you know? But, um, but anyway, yes, the point is, is that timing of your basil just as important as the amount of your basil. And to Jenny's point, for those of you who are thinking that basil is in charge of bringing your blood sugar down, it's not, it's in charge of keeping your blood sugar stable. And I say all the time, it's a stupid thing, but do it with me here, unless you're driving. Uh, hold your hands together in front of you, like, you know, in like the classic, you know, prayer,
1: prayer position,
0: mode. right? Imagine your body function and, you know, sugar on one side and your and, and and basil on the other side. And they're both pushing each other towards the center. And when nobody wins, right, when your hands don't move to the left or your right, that's a good basil, rate. Right? When you mm-hmm. start moving towards body function then your basal is too high. And when your body function starts pushing you away, then your basal is too low. You're trying to just give the basal enough strength to fight off the background things that are happening in your body. If right. 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 And when you eat, you know, a reasonably normal meal, that basal should also, you know, help with your bolus. But don't expect that if you're going to eat like an entire pizza, that your 0.6 basal rate is going to be okay because it's right. not. And then, so that's, right. a, that's another thing. So once you get done basal testing and figuring out your basal for all your normal times, when you're just standing around being you, amazing you, that's one thing. What about your basal insulin while you're eating? And those tests have to happen in real life while you're eating. You have to say to yourself, when okay. I eat a salad with a burger my blood sugar tries to go up. I wonder what would happen if I did increase my basal rate during that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, for those of you who've been listening for a long time.
1: Or after that. Or mm-hmm.
0: a- right, right. Maybe it's pizza. It doesn't hit me for 90 minutes after I've eaten it. Um, you mm-hmm. know, or or any other thing, like French fries. Arden had French fries the other night. It must have made her high like four hours after she yep. ate them. You know, so.
1: Yeah. That. And that's just understanding. Again, that's why we also start with the overnight test. It, because... If you can wake up in Target, you are not fighting being too low from excessive insulin dropping you, mm-hmm. and you're not fighting being too high and having to correct and add insulin in a time that you're, most people are insulin insensitive in the morning, right? Yeah. So when we talk about things like adding fat in, yes, your background basal, if you know it's solid and set to begin with, then you know how to play with that temporary basal feature to accommodate for long-term impacts like fat. That causes essentially a stress factor. It releases triglycerides into the bloodstream, which causes insulin resistance. In the aftermath, it can last as long as 10 hours after eating high fat. Yes. So most people need a basal increase. It's like fat almost causes your basal insulin dose to be reduced by 50%. Mm. So if you're running at a rate of 1.0 overnight and you have this big old awesome like cheese meat lovers pizza at night, you go to bed thinking, man, I nailed that bolus. I'm going to bed beautiful. I'm like a 103. I'm going to sit here all night. It's going to look awesome. And at two o'clock in the morning, you're at 300. And you're like, what the heck? You know, where did this come? It's fat. Usually fat starts to impact by about three hours. You get this like drift and then you get stuck high and you nail it with insulin and you nail it with insulin and you nail it again. And then finally you might start drift down by the time you wake up the next morning. Mm -hmm. You could have fought it ahead of time, by using a temporary rate adjustment. If you know your basil to begin with is set well, you can increase using temporary basil and offset the impact of that fat.
0: I wonder if I can explain what's in my head correctly, because when your blood sugar gets elevated, imagine it's 250 coming off of the pizza, and you think, oh, a unit brings me from 250 to 100, so I'll put it in a unit. That's great, but what Jenny just told you was you're at 150% need for your basil, so the unit really just keeps replacing the basil you don't have. So you put the unit in, replaces the basil, keeps you stable at 250, but you still haven't addressed the number, and so then... You wait an hour and you go, I can't believe that didn't do anything. And you put it in another unit. It doesn't do it again because you're still just replacing the basal. You need to yak up your basal rate and bolus for the number. And remember that turning up the basal at midnight doesn't make doesn't mean it's going to start working really, maybe until one or two o'clock in the morning. So what so in the end, let me get very close to the microphone. What you need, and I don't want to oversimplify diabetes, is more insulin. That's what you need. You do not have enough insulin. It's just...
1: <laughs> you need that t-shirt, Scott. I'm telling More you right insulin.
0: now, I'm, I can't do this podcast forever, people. More insulin if your blood sugar is high. Hey, if your blood sugar is low, guess what? Let me just go at it right now. Less insulin. There you go. It's not difficult, right? Um, it's difficult to imagine the whole thing, which is what this podcast episode is about. Like we're talking through a number of different scenarios where your basal rate means something. But I think that I think that's it. At the beginning here, Jenny explained a, a more clinical way to do basal testing. I think if you have a CGM, I tell people when we're speaking privately and they're like, how do I figure out, you know, how much more basal to use? I just go, well, you know, if it's a kid and they're like at 0.3, I'm like, well, turn it to 0.4 and see what happens, <laughs> you know? And, and I was like, if it starts getting low, put it to 0.35, you know? And it, because because your kid's blood sugar's sitting at 200, you, you know, like, at, at with point, you know, point three going in every hour, point four is not going to make them nothing. It just doesn't stand right. to any reason. Common sense in diabetes is, you know, just like I tell people all the time, one of the best pieces of technology for managing someone with diabetes is text messaging. It, it is a absolutely, like, pivotal way in how Arden and I deal with our blood sugar. If you don't, if text messaging is a, is a diabetes tool, and at the same way, right, just... Trying things is a diabetes tool. Like give it a shot and see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. um, point four. Okay, now let's see what happens. Not enough still. Or even
1: for little kids, you know, even the incremental of the smaller rate. 0. Pumps, 0. 5. You know, the point zero five or the point zero two five, you know, uh, all of that is an option. It's not on omnipod, but it is an option on the tandem and the medtronic pumps. So that is an option to get smaller incremental adjustments, depending also on what your sensitivity kind of seems to be. Right. Um, I think the only thing that we didn't really is like the daytime testing. Honestly, you know, daytime means that if you really want to know what's happening behind the meal
0: mm-hmm.
1: to make sure that the basil is doing its job, the meal can't be there. Right. right? So if you wanted to look at morning time, you'd really have to for adults, you can skip a meal because you can deal with that. You can just, yeah. you can slug it out until lunchtime and go ahead and eat your lunch and just see what happens in the morning. When you wake up, you know, fasting blood sugar, you let it sit, you don't bolus, you don't take caffeine, you don't eat anything. You right. can have water or herbal tea or whatever. Don't go for a 10 mile run either. Um, <laughs> look at what happens. For little kids, I usually say, you know what? If you can get them to sleep in a little bit longer, maybe on a weekend, at least you're going to get an idea behind what their normal breakfast time is in that morning time mm-hmm. to see, did the basil carry them pretty well? Or one, I had one mother I worked with um, not too long ago. She's like, he woke up and he just started playing with his Legos right away. He played with his Legos for a long period, didn't even care about eating breakfast. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. That was a basil test. I was like, there was nothing there. There was no food, no bolus. He was sitting and playing with Legos
0: fabulous we've got information that's cool that's excellent yeah whatever you can do just just but do it because you need to know in the end if you've ever spoken to me privately what i'll tell you is in a perfect world if your basil's right your blood sugar is going to be 90 it's going to be 85 or 90 now i don't expect it to always be that but that's your goal and if that's your goal then it when you're at 150 it's not correct and also when you're bouncing all over the place, if you're one of those people who right now is struggling and your blood sugar flies all over, you may turn your basal up and get a low blood sugar and think, oh my gosh, that's because I turned my basal up. But it, again, it might have been about the, the bolus you used before. So I, you know, there's one thing I say all the time that I think is how you start your basal rates. First thing you have to do is find the level. Just Mm -hmm. find a stability point. It doesn't really almost matter where it is. Just get your blood sugar to sit still. And if you have to nudge with food to to do it or nudge with insulin to do it, it's fine. But get stable somewhere and start over. Even when things go crazy here, I'll say that to Kelly. I'll be like, listen, I said, we're out of, like, everything's out of whack. Like, we got to find a stable point so we can start over again. And, you know, you just can't, I don't know, it's it's like trying to catch a... It's like trying to catch a bug. You you know what I mean? Like, you got to wait till it lands. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Um, Do you feel like we've covered it?
1: I think for the most part, yeah.
0: I think we have to. I appreciate everyone who reached out and asked about a more specific episode about basal testing. This was it. I hope you liked it. Goodbye, Jenny. Bye. Thank you for listening to the 11th installment in my Diabetes Pro Tips series with Jenny Smith CD. Don't forget that there are links in your show notes to email Jenny, or you can go to integrateddiabetes.com if you'd like to hire her personally and have these conversations private-like with her. Thank you also to Omnipod, Dexcom, and Dancing for Diabetes for being such wonderful advertisers and sticking with the show week in and week out. Really makes it possible for you guys to get the show. And I appreciate, honestly, how easy they are to work with. You wouldn't see that behind the scenes, but they're good peeps. If you just found this Diabetes Pro Tip episode, go back and listen to the rest. They start around episode 210. Also, something new you may not have noticed. Last Friday, I began to post a second episode of the week called Defining Diabetes. In these short episodes, Jenny Smith and I will define a phrase from your daily life with type 1 diabetes. If you're a subscriber, this extra episode will just show up like you're used to seeing everything else. It'll just populate in your podcast player. You can listen to it whenever you want. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great day and a better week. A special shout out to all of you on Instagram who share the podcast so much there. It's amazing. Thank you so much. You're helping the podcast grow in ways that you can't even imagine. Before I go, I'd like to share something that I imagine that most of you who have been listening for a while understand. It took so much restraint not to call this episode Jenny's butt. But I did it. I'm an adult. And I used the Diabetes Pro Tip series because that's what this is. But when Jenny said she made a basal rate called butt, I was like, oh my God, this episode should be called Jenny's butt or butt basil, or Jenny's butt basil." I don't know. But I just, oh, so hard not to do that.